Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good to see you in God's house. You braved the storm. Listen, Atlanta had over a foot of snow. Like Atlanta, Georgia, they, they shut down with like one or two inches. And, and they're having church today. I know some churches that are doing an afternoon service today, so it's, it's all good. Good, good, to, uh, good to be a part of this house. I, I'm just uh, thrilled that God has allowed us to gather together in his house to be a part of his family. Just look at your neighbor and just smile at them, all right? They, they need a good smile this morning. Nice, teethy, toothy grin. Give it to them without any, anything. And if they've got stuff in their teeth, help them with that, all right? <laughs> next Sunday, you don't want to miss what's going on next Sunday. Um, be on time. What do you think about that? Is that is that a possibility? Like it starts at nine thirty. Like you could actually get here by I don't know, maybe nine fifteen. Actually, make it in and grab something to eat, and still have time to get a seat. Just a thought. I mean, we work hard at at uh, doing our best to be excellent with timing, and, and uh, it's, it's a shame that many of us miss probably a half hour of what has happened in, in the house. And can I just encourage you to get here and to be on time every week? I was raised in a house that if you were 10 minutes early, you were late. And when I'm late, it's her fault. It's true. It happened to me yesterday. But it's all good. Wow. been four years. We've had one car for four years. And uh, Christy looked at me on, when was it? Thursday, Friday? I don't know. She said, it's over. Because <laughs> you always win. You trump everything. And I'm like, okay. And so, yeah. Amen. <laughs> Tomorrow night, men, we're meeting again at, at Anthony Lewis's house, 6.30. It's, it's been good. Um, if you're a man and you want to join us, it's been a great time of iron sharpening iron. Today, I want, I want to talk to us, as you know, if, if you're on our email list or if you were here last week or if you have been around at all at the Power Place, you know that, that once a year we, we work at... at um, raising some extra funds so we can do more ministry and have the ability to to reach out. And, and uh, I'm excited that this year we have an opportunity to, to do just that today. 
If you did not get a, a reaching and changing uh, card, would you raise your hand? Because I want you to hold this through my message today and just pray and say, God, what do you want me to do? If you, if you didn't get one, just raise your hand. Our ushers are coming to serve you right now. We've got a whole bunch over here in this section, guys. So uh, make sure everybody gets one. Keep your hand raised until you get one. All right? Thank you, ushers. How about our ushers? Yeah. Why did God call us here? Why does the power place exist? I've always said the world doesn't need just another church. It needs a place where people can encounter the power and presence of Almighty God. And God put that in our hearts many years ago. And as we have obeyed him and, and come and established this house, uh, life-changing power has flowed. And many of us have been touched by God in this place. Our God-given assignment has always been to usher people into the presence of God because that's where life change happens. I mean, I can meet you and, and hang around with you, but until you encounter God, until you encounter Jesus Christ, that's when the life change happens. And, and the power place is called to be a beacon of light. You see, in his presence, anything good can happen. Anything can happen. I love that song. We sang it last week. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Anything can happen in this place. More than we imagine. More than we can fathom. Anything can happen in this place. And as we come in, in his presence we realize that with God, all things are possible. I didn't hear you. With God, all things are possible. And God has called us as the power place to be a beacon of light in the midst of darkness, to be an oasis of refreshing life in the midst of a culture of drought and death. Hang out in your culture long enough and you'll realize it, it's dead. There's a lot of uh, dry places, and God has called us to have an oasis mentality. And we're here to reach as many people as possible with the good news of Jesus and offer life change through his mighty power. We're called to be a gatekeeper here and snatch as many people as possible from the jaws of hell. And so that's why God placed us here. How do we get here? I mean, our story, uh, Christy and I and our family, we were traveling as evangelists on the road, and God began to speak to our hearts about planting a church. And I'll never forget the, the first day that I shared that with somebody, and I really hadn't even talked it through with Christy yet. <laughs> that, that's never wise. Just Can I, can I uh, just say that? The pastor said to us, he said, I need you to come back next year. I need you for an entire week. Would you do that? And, and I looked at him, and I said, well, we're not going to be on the road next year. And he said, really, what are you going to do? And I said, we're going we're to plant a church. And Christy looked at me, and she kicked me under the table. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, God's been speaking to us. And, uh, and then God spoke to us. 
And so the question became, where are you going to live? Where is God calling you to? And, and so we just began to pray. People would say to us, you know, where do you want to live? Just start a church there. I said, where do you want to live? I said, well, southwest side of Florida is nice. Love Southern Cal. Uh, weather is good. No snow. Right? And, and yet, nothing's, nothing worked in our hearts. Every, every opportunity that came, every offer that came, nothing settled. And I won't bore you with all the details today, but, but as God began to deal with us, I got a phone call from the Pennsylvania Delaware Ministry Network of the Assemblies of God. And the man said to me, you don't know me and I don't know you, but I know people that know you and you know people that know me. And I hear that you're going to plant a church somewhere. I said, you're right. He said, would you just pray about two places? He said, I want, we're, we're looking to plant a church in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And my ears perked up because I've been to Hershey. Back then, the smell of chocolate was in the air. It's gone now. I don't know if you've been there lately. They took the smell away because the factory left. Sad, huh? I mean, you could drive in town, you could just smell chocolate and, you know, the little teardrop we call them Hershey Kiss lights and all that. And, and then he said, and we're looking at Kennett Square. I'm like, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> never been there. Probably will never go there. And he said, would you just pray about it? I said, yeah, I'll pray. And as we began to pray, it, it took some time for God to break down some things in our hearts. And everything seemed to point to Hershey. And we were down in Florida at the time. And I said to our family, I said, we need to, we need to fast and pray because we need an answer from God. It was August. It was hot. And, and I knew that God was calling us to start a church by the next Easter. I said, Lord, We've got to know where we're going. You've got to help us. Give us answers. And so on the third day of the fast, as, as our family is fasting and praying, we're asking God where. I'm reading my one-year Bible, and I brought it today. This is my one-year Bible. It's, it's falling apart. But you know what they say, if, if your Bible's falling apart, your life probably isn't. And now I know we, get, we got the electronic Bibles. I love that. And my electronic Bible doesn't fall apart at all. Um, I read it every day. And, and so I'm reading my one-year Bible. And, and this day, even though I was living in August, I was reading in December. Because I'd gotten off course on some days, you know, I'd read a passage and it would just stick with me. And I wouldn't read the whole thing. And you don't have to stick with the whole one-year Bible deal. You can read it in two or three years if you want. But just read it. Get something of the Word of God inside your, your spirit so it changes you. You see, it's the engrafted Word that is able to save your soul. It's that Word that gets deep down inside of you that's able to change you and get you on the right path, keep you walking in the right direction. And so I'm reading December chapter 12, and I'm, I'm looking at Amos chapter 9, and I'm reading, I'm reading. 
And I turn the page to the last page of my one-year Bible, and here's what it says in Amos chapter 9, verse 12. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. I will bring back my exiled people, Israel. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. And at that point, I still have no clue what Kenneth Square is all about and what this region has to offer. When you read that and you read where we live, oh, you don't live here? I'm telling you, it's, it's a description of where we live. And then he says, in the last verse of, of my one-year Bible reading in the Old Testament, I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. And I stopped reading. I said, Lord, that's what I want. I want my own land. I don't want what anybody else has for me. I'll go wherever you ask me to go. You know I've done it my entire life. I've done what you asked me to do. And Lord, I just need you to show me where it is. And there it is falling apart. I said, just show me, Lord. I need to know where. And picked the Bible back up and, and went to my next section, which is Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have little strength. And we did at that point. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And I put my Bible down, didn't finish reading that day's reading. I went and found the map. Back then we had a big road atlas. Y'all remember those? Christy, loved, she, she loves the road atlas. In fact, if we ever drive on a trip, she's like, I got to have a new road atlas. She sits there with it on her lap. And I, I pulled out the, the whole Pennsylvania thing, and I'm looking for Kennett Square and, and looked at the Philadelphia map. And, and lo and behold, right there, right there. Thank you. Noel, we're praying for you. Noel lost her mom this week. We're praying that God just surrounds them with incredible presence of his power. God's with you. Found Kennett Square on the map, just outside of Philadelphia. I said, I think God's speaking to us. I think God's speaking to us. Brought the family together. I said, hey, we can eat again. <laughs> They're like, yes. <laughs> Shared with them what God was saying, and we got excited. And... You know, as soon as that happened, we, we went down to the, the southwest side of Florida. We were up farther, 
went down to the southwest side to Fort Myers area and met with Kurt and Debbie Holthus, who you met last week. And Kurt tried to talk me into planting down there where we wanted to live. In fact, his church was getting ready to plant a, another church. They said, last church we planted, we, we gave them 250 people and $250,000. He said, you need to come here. God's speaking to you. In fact, I talked to Pastor Betzer. He says, come, you're the man for this job. And you've heard my story. He took us out on his boat. And we're in the Gulf of Mexico. It's a gorgeous day. The dolphins are jumping. The sky's blue. The water's clear. And he's driving the boat. And he looked back at me. And he goes, look, this is what you've always wanted. Come plant a church here. God wants you down here in Florida. At that moment, we come up on the, the back of another boat. And on the back of that boat, it said, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. <laughs> and Kurt teases me to this day. He says, you know, you're the only guy I know that when God said, don't go there, you went. <laughs> he said, it made it very clear, don't go to Pennsylvania. And yet, from that moment forward, nothing changed for us. We set our faces like Flint. And we headed, and God placed us here in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. And when we drove into town for the first time to ever be here, we came down, we got off of Highway 1, came down on 82, and we started to weep. Christy and I did. We were the only ones that came that day. We began to weep, and it was like we were coming home. Never been here before. Didn't know a soul. And yet God placed this area in our hearts. He brought us to Kennett Square, and as we now know, Kennett Square was known as the gateway to the promised land. Slaves knew that if they could get on the Underground Railroad, get up here to this area, if they made it to Kennett Square, they had the ability to be free. We didn't know that back then. But God brought us here to bring release to the captives, to bring recovery of sight to blinded eyes, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to proclaim that this is the year of the Lord's favor. And he placed us here in this place without us ever understanding where we were going. He, he began to, to put us and plant us here. And you got to know, rescued people rescue people. Reached people, reach people. And we're standing today on the shoulders of reached and changed people in this house today. Many have sacrificed for us to be where we are today. And, and I'm asking God to do something in all of our hearts so that we'll want to sacrifice for those who will continue to be reached and changed. Those who are coming in the days ahead. I'm asking the Lord to open our eyes to see clearly. Help us to see what you see. As I was thinking about some of the sacrifices and, and uh, where we started, I mean, we started in the red clay room. Some of you don't even know what the red clay room is. Some of you have been there for a wedding or something. You, you, you know that place. And, and then we moved to the American Legion building, the basement of the American Legion building. 
<laughs> and it was a dungeon before we got in there and transformed it. And then in that first part of, of our move into the American Legion building, we bought these televisions. These two Sony flat screen TVs. 2005. If you bought a flat screen TV in 2005, you know what they cost. Because it was cutting edge technology. These TVs were $2,500 each. We paid $2,000 because we became a distributor. <laughs> Nick always had an idea. He's like, I, if I become a distributor, we can get them cheaper. And, and one man in our church caught a vision and said, you know what? We need that. We need the ability to have people see in our little church. And that we were little. I remember that? If you were there, you understand how small that room was. And yet we needed to be able to see. He saw the need and he gave $4,000 to meet that need. And I, yesterday I, or the day before, I was breaking down the costs of that $4,000. Over the last 13 years, that we've had these televisions that are still working. If we only use them on Sunday, if we only use them on Sundays, that would be $5.91 a Sunday. And yet we use them on Sundays and Wednesdays. And any other time we had our building open. So the cost today breaks down to a, a couple of bucks. they're still reaching and changing lives for Jesus. They're still reaching hundreds of souls that have been changed. They're still being used to carry the message of the gospel. And I ask you today, what's the price of a soul? What, what, what's a soul worth? Well, God said it's worth the cost of my one and only son. He gave Willingly, he gave cheerfully, he gave all that he had. While we were still in the, in the basement of the American Legion building, uh, Christy and I traveled all over our district, our Pennsylvania, Delaware ministry network, and we raised money for the power place. Most of you don't know that. Um, we didn't talk about it much. And as we cro crisscrossed our district and Raised, we raised well over $100,000 for church planting. But churches, our sister churches in Pendell gave us $50,000 to invest in this space. We are standing on the shoulders of those who have been reached and changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and who people who sacrificed what they wanted so that people could be reached and changed for the kingdom of God. And today I, I, uh, I'm a little overwhelmed at times 
by the sacrifice of some people. And many of you have come alongside that vision, the vision of the power place, and you've invested your hard-earned finances, you've invested your time, your talent to equip this house and provide the tools necessary to reach and change our world. And I want to thank you for your investment and, and your continued investment. And I, I want to just say uh, yesterday as I watched the cleaning team come and some of them stayed till 8.30 last night making sure this, this house was ready for you. And right now, our, our nursery team who are watching kids, but they're not just watching kids, they're pouring Jesus' love into them. And, and those who give on a continual basis, it, it boggles my mind, and I just want to say thank you for your investment. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, For everyone, somebody say everyone. Everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's so simple. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But Paul goes on as he's writing to the Roman church and he says, but, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And, and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Look down at your feet right now. If you're a giver, if you're a, a teller, if you're somebody who's sharing the good news of Jesus, you got beautiful feet. Come on. These dogs are pretty. How beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news. So how about you? Will you help equip this house to send the message of the good news of Jesus Christ to those who need to still be reached and changed? Will you release what's in your hand and place it in God's hand so he can multiply it? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says, God gives seed to the farmer and food to those who need to eat. And God will also give you seed and multiply it. Somebody say multiply. He will give you the seed and he will multiply it. And in your lives, he will increase the things you do that have his approval. When you're walking in sync with him, when, when he's spoken to you and said, this is the way, walk in it, and you do that, he increases and multiplies your seed. Rick Warren says multiplication is God's idea. If you give him your time, he multiplies it. If you give him your money, he multiplies it. If you give him your talent, he multiplies it. Amen. I mean, I gave God my talent years ago, and, and it wasn't much back then, but he has multiplied it in my life. I gave him my time, and he has given me more time than I deserve. 
The enemy tried to snuff me out a few years back. But I'm back and I'm kicking stronger than I ever have. Some of you are the same. And God has given you, because you've given him your time, he has multiplied it. He's given you a good, strong, healthy life. Hallelujah. If you give him your energy, guess what? He multiplies it. And a farmer, I'm not a farmer, but my mom came from a farm. She, she gets it. And, and my cousins all still farm in Illinois, and they get it. And I've been on their combines and those massive machines and watched how intricate it is to take care of, of crops. But the reality is, if you don't put any seed in the ground, you ain't getting a harvest. Plain and simple. If you're not planting, you're not going to reap. Hello. If you keep your seed in a sack, it's not going to do you any good. <laughs> I, I could camp there for a little bit. And I'm just, um, I'm struggling to know how deep I should go with that because some of us have got a sack and it's really full and, and, uh, and it ain't doing you no good. And your kids, when they get it, they're going to spend it. Seed has to be given away for it to increase. Seed has to be planted. But when you plant it, it multiplies. You plant one corn seed, one kernel of corn, how many kernels do you get back? Hundreds. Even close to 1,200, I've heard. I was in Iowa for seven years. A lot of corn there. You plant a watermelon seed, you get one seed back. No, you get a bunch of watermelons and and hundreds of seeds inside. You see, God multiplies whatever little bit you give to him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, remember this, Paul says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And then he says, it's your choice. You, you. Somebody say you. Look at your neighbor and say you. You must decide. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to the preacher's pressure. <laughs> not even your husband or wife's pressure, not you know, your friend's pressure. You don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Because he's a cheerful giver. He's not standing in heaven going, man, I wish I hadn't given Jesus. No, he gave cheerfully. I wish I hadn't given him a second chance. He loves the fact that he can give you a second chance. He's the God of the second chance. And listen, the story of the power place didn't just happen. We didn't just automatically show up here one day and somebody financed the whole thing. We sacrificed, all of us. And everything we enjoy today, somebody sacrificed for it. Somebody chose to give their money instead of buying things for themselves to make all of this happen. 
And as you give generously, you'll begin to understand that you can't outgive God. You can't. Whatever you give him, he takes and he'll multiply it. Christy and I have found that to be true. Three different times in our marriage, God has asked us to give everything. We sold everything we owned three different times in our marriage. And he called us to go to Trinidad, West Indies. And we got there, and it wasn't what we thought it was going to be because sacrifice is never easy. I don't know if you've ever sacrificed anything. <laughs> Absolutely you have, and you know that. Sacrifice is never easy. But when you sacrifice for the Lord, he always multiplies. And God multiplied something in our lives spiritually that couldn't have happened anywhere else in any other situation. God, I, I always say God gave us a six-year education in six months. He did something deep inside of us that nothing has been able to tear away from us, ever. He grew us. He raised us to a new level. He put deep roots in us. And we stand here today unshakable. Because we just did what God asked us to do. And he said, okay, I like that. He's blessed us. When we were in our church in Davenport, Iowa, we'd been there for seven years. And God began to speak to us to travel as an evangelist. And again, we sold everything. Even got, got messed up with a, I had a, a, I sold one of our cars. The other, I, we had a little minivan. It was a conversion minivan. And just thinking about this the other day, we were on the road and needed to get rid of that payment because we weren't getting paid. We were in trouble. Got to a church, one of our first churches we went to, and a man there said, I'll take over your payments for you. I need that van. So I gave him the van, gave him the payment book. And he never made any payments. He disappeared, moved, ran away, and I got the credit bill. And my credit went like that. And yet, God always has a way to multiply. What the enemy meant for evil, God turns for good. And we stand today blessed in mind-boggling ways because we simply said yes to God. And then when God called us here, we had to sell everything again, start all over, brand new, fresh. And here we are almost 14 years later, and God has been faithful. He's always faithful. Our God is a faithful God. And when he asks you to do something, and that's why I'm asking you to hold on to this today, and ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to be involved in this vision offering? for reaching and changing our world for Jesus Christ through the power place. Because I believe he'll speak to you if you'll just simply listen and obey. Every time we obeyed, God replenished in greater ways than before. You can't outgive God. Tell your neighbor that. You can't outgive God. 
Tell your other neighbor that. You can't outgive God. Rick Warren says in December of 1987, we had to close the deal on the land for Saddleback Church. Our people had given over a million dollars, but we were still short on that last day. He said, I thought, God, we're so close and our people have sacrificed beyond measure. This is the last day before we lose the property. You're not going to let us get this close and let us fail, right? What are you going to do? He said, before that day was out, we received a letter from a man who'd only visited Saddleback one time. He didn't even live in Orange County. And his note said, I believe in the vision of Saddleback Church. And in that letter was a check for a quarter million dollars. He said, we were able to close the deal and get the land. God's timing is perfect. That was the last business day of 1987. And on the first business day of 1988, that man, who was a banker, went to the bank and his trustees called a special meeting. They didn't know he'd just given us a quarter million dollars. They called him in and they said, We've had a record year with Banner Profits. We're going to give you a one-time bonus. And 10 days after he'd given this church a quarter million dollars, they gave him a one-time bonus of $750,000. And Rick said, when I told this story to the Saddleback congregation, I said, don't you wish you'd given a quarter million dollars? You can't outgive God. The man called Rick on the phone and he said, Rick, you cannot outgive God. I keep trying, but it doesn't work. A Jewish grandmother was giving directions to her grown grandson who was coming to visit with his wife. She said, You come to the front door of the apartment. I'm in apartment 301. There's a big panel at the front door with your elbow push. Button 303, 301. I'll buzz you in. Come inside. The elevator's on the right. Get in and with your elbow push three. When you get out, I'm on the left. With your elbow, hit the doorbell. Grandma, that sounds easy, but why am I hitting all these buttons with my elbow? So what? You're coming empty-handed? I don't ever want to come empty-handed. I know, I think it was Christy's grandmother who always had, she gave something. Times when she didn't have any money in her purse, the offering came by, she'd put in a stick of gum. One time she hadn't, didn't even have a stick of gum, she, she found a button in the bottom of her purse, put the button in. I want to come to God with an empty hand. Luke 18 says, you won't regret it. No one who has sacrificed his home, spouse, brothers and sisters, parents, children, whatever, will lose out. No one will lose out. It will all come back multiplied. There's that word again. Multiplied many times over in your lifetime. And then the bonus of eternal life. That's a promise. A promise from Jesus Christ directly from his lips. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
And today, as, as we close this, this service today, I, I want you to know that today is not just about an offering. It's not just about money. It's about obedience with our lives. What's God asking you to do? I know for Christy and I, this is always a, a struggle and a stretch at times. But this is not just about us. This isn't about our sacrifice all the time. This is about all of us joining together. They say a net is a bunch of little nothings all tied together. But when they're connected, when they're all working for the same goal, big things can be caught. Good things can happen. And I believe God is speaking to us today. I want you to take your pledge card today. And take a few moments. I want to pray. Because we're going to link our arms. We're going to link our finances. This, this reaching and changing vision, offering, or pledge, you can give today or you can wait and give next year on a weekly basis. I've, I've told you 106 people it would just give $20 a week. We could raise this, $110,000. It seems so simple. And yet for some of us, it just it, it's mind-boggling. And yet I believe God's asking us to do something. Many of us will do way more than $20 a week. God's called Christy and I to do way more than that. But what's he asking you to do? As we sang today, we receive your rain. And the rain of God comes to water the earth, to water our souls. But it also comes to water what we've planted. And I believe some of us are going to plant some seed that is going to produce a harvest that will be mind-boggling in the days to come. And we'll never know until we do it. We'll never know until we obey what God's asked us to do. If, if you would have shown me where we're at right now, 14 years ago, I'd be like, yes, cool. I didn't see it back then. I saw it inside. And are we where we want to be yet? No. Are we reaching as many people as we want to reach? Absolutely not. We're doing everything we can to keep moving forward, being obedient to what the Spirit of God's saying. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to us today? Lord, I'm, I'm asking you for a miracle. I'm asking you for a miracle, Lord. I'm asking you, Lord, to provide finances that will untie our hands to reach more people and see more people changed with the gospel of Jesus Christ than ever before. Speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. We want to just simply do what you ask us to do.
Amen. So in a moment, we're going we're gonna to take our offering, which is what we do every week. And again, this is above the tithe. I told you last week, the tithe is not yours. It's, you, you don't give the tithe, you bring the tithe. The tithe is God's. The tenth, the top tenth, the first fruits, that's God's money. And if you don't bring it, then you're robbing him. I didn't say it, he said it. And I just believe that what he said is true. So I'm not robbing God, I, I refuse to be a thief. I ain't standing before him being accused of, of stealing. No way, no shape, no form. Uh-uh. <laughs> and I don't think you want to be there either. But this, this is an offering. This is a sacrificial gift, something above. So we're going to sing together, and I want you to fill this out. And then we're going to place them together in the offering bucket as the ushers come. Don't go yet, guys. Give them a few minutes, all right?